Uh, Harper, do you have a minute? Can I talk to you about something? It's kind of personal. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, uh, I was just wondering, man, do you have COVID balls? What the heck are COVID balls? Oh, come on, man. You know it. We've been on lockdown for a while now. I don't think you've seen any lady friends recently. And uh, I'm sure you've been neglecting trimming that downstairs area. So I was just wondering, do you have COVID balls? Well, listen, doing fine in that department. I thought they were called marriage balls. Oh, dude, that's right. Well, if that's the case, if you've got COVID balls and I've got marriage balls, well, I guess we're in luck because our friends over at Manscaped, uh, by the way, Manscaped is the best in below-the-waist men's grooming, uh, have set us up with a discount code at manscaped.com. So right now, if you go to manscaped.com, and here is the lawnmower 3.0, by the way, if you go to manscaped.com and use the code BITB20, you can save 20 plus free shipping on your order. So again, that's manscaped.com. Use the code at checkout, B-I-T-B 20 for 20% off plus free shipping. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth. All right, good evening and welcome. This is episode 69 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. I'm your host, Harper Cody. We'll bring in the fellows in just a second, but first just wanted to say uh, how great uh, it is to have NHL hockey back. The 2020-21 season is underway with the four divisions. We're going to be talking about the North Division with all seven Canadian teams, of course, and now we'll bring in uh, the fellows, Casey Abrams and Chad Melbourne. Guys, how are we doing? Harp, I've been giddy all week. I've watched so much hockey. I finally have something to do again, something to talk about. So all good over here. Yeah, same here, man. I've been watching a ton of hockey, having two or three games on at the same time. And and that's just, you know, dur- like during the normal season, you kind of take it for granted and you'll watch your own team. And, you know, if you have time, if you're at home and you're able to watch it or whatever, I try to watch every game. But during the regular season, that's what you do. But now in this weird season, we've been waiting for hockey for so long. Like I'm not taking it for granted anymore. I'm watching as much as I possibly can during this time and i'm playing fantasy which helps too so i'm glued to other games as well but uh yeah harp episode 69 t he ready to get into it here uh uh how, how are you doing man just before we jump in I'm good. Just echoing what you guys said, like just so great to have hockey back. Definitely not going to take it for granted watching multiple games during the week and on the weekends. Uh, The way the divisions are laid out, it's all fantastic. I'm in fantasy as well, so I'm following it even more so uh, now more than ever. So it's just been great. And uh, we're going to talk about the North Division featuring all seven Canadian teams. Of course, we realize the season has already started, but we're only a few games in. 
division. So we feel like it's okay to do so. Really looking forward to talking about this division. Uh, we're going to rank all seven teams and uh, and talk about why we have them where we do and that sort of thing. So let's get right into it. Case, your seven uh, and how they place in this North All-Canadian division. Yeah, so first of all, I did make these rankings and uh, like before any of the games started, and I haven't changed them. Uh, so a little bit of my opinion may, may be uh, strengthened by some of the games that I've seen, but these are my rankings from a week ago. And to talk about this division quickly, honestly, I think it's the second weakest division in the league, the West being the worst, uh, but maybe the tightest division. I think uh, that's fair. Yeah. There's a lot of parity that can happen here. And and I think that any team has a chance of making the playoffs again, like the East division. Um, but, you know, here's here's my ranking. And I think my friends know me as a guy who likes to be pretty firm on my opinion. And uh, I'll say you can talk me out of any single one of these. <laughs> so Toronto at number one, Calgary at two, Edmonton at three, Montreal at four, Winnipeg at five. Vancouver at six and Ottawa at seven. You know, that hurts me because my two favorite teams in this division I have in the basement. (laughs) Man, are you kidding me? Like this whole, you know, we've done, so we've done three of these episodes now where we all come into this episode with different rankings and then we sort of we we have a bit of an argument to try to find you know to come up with a consensus ranking well case that i don't know if that's going to be the case today or i guess we're going to team up on heart because i legit have the exact same rankings as you do here with that number seven so again just to repeat toronto at one uh calgary at two edmonton at three montreal at four winnipeg at five vancouver at six and ottawa at seven um, I will say though, like, and I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you where like, I'm not confident on any single team in any of these spots where I put them, because I think this division is going to be super close, not only because I think the teams are generally close in skill and, and will, will be close all throughout the season, but just because like, I think even a team like Ottawa, and as we've seen, you know, over the last two games, like they're pretty much written off in this division, but they're going to be a team who brings their A game every single night, especially against teams like Toronto and Montreal, who they just hate to begin with, uh, because they're a team with absolutely nothing to lose. Well, so, yeah, think think yeah. about being an Ottawa Senator. You have almost no expectations for your team, yeah, and you get to possibly play spoiler for the, all the teams you hate the most in the league. Yeah, like how, how fun is that going to be? And Chad, we have the same rankings, but maybe I'll just try to play some devil's advocate yeah. in this episode or something like that. Um, of course. I have, you know, the more I'm thinking about it, uh, I think maybe I'll flip-flop maybe my top two teams, but we'll get to that. Harp, let's hear your ranking. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you, you joked around there for a second that maybe we'll be teaming up on Harp, and that's exactly what's going to happen, as it usually does. So, anyways, yeah, I've, I've got I've got different uh, I've got different rankings for the North uh, Division, and so I've got Toronto at one, Montreal at two, Calgary at three, Edmonton at four, and then the bottom three are the exact same as you guys: Winnipeg at five, Vancouver at six, 
and Ottawa at seven. So uh, what do we think about that, boys? You guys are teaming up on me as per usual. Yeah. Well, it seems like we we have the playoffs. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. As a group. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we've got our our top four. They're all in a different spot. And actually, that was something I wanted to say off the top, too. I actually uh, made one change to my rankings here uh, after the, the first three games of the season. And that was moving Calgary from the number two spot or sorry, from the number three spot up to the number two spot, uh, just because I haven't been impressed with Edmonton and I have been impressed with Calgary. So I did make one change from my original rankings because we did mean to talk about this last episode before it went too long. Um, So yeah, I made that one change. But anyways, yeah, I guess, you know, we've agreed on our top four. The positioning is a little bit out of whack. So why don't we just jump right into it and, and start talking about that number one spot? Yeah, okay. I'll I'll start off with Toronto here sure. because yep. I have a little analogy I like to make with this team because frankly they're so good on paper. And and they have been before, but it seems like always the management and coaching staff wants to take that piece of paper, put it through the shredder and then try to tape it back together and make that piece of paper again because Man, all the decisions they seem to make with this team just confuse the heck out of me all the time. Um, you know, splitting up the power play. Chad's just oh. fed up with that. I know that. Putting Wayne Simmons on the power play. Um, started. Doing that left wing split between Joe Thornton and Hyman. And um, sometimes the D pairings are a little confusing to me. And and like, uh, I, I don't know what to think about this team. And, and frankly, they just worry me always. Like, I think they're going to be such a good team, but I always have a problem with putting them at the top of the division because they can just drop so many games like we've seen them do with Ottawa already. Yeah, dude, you're saying this team worries you? Try being a fucking diehard fan of this team. They worry <laughs> me every single day, even on off days like like today they're not even playing and they they put Aaron Dell on waivers that worries me like are you kidding me but uh let, let me just like preface this I think you know we've seen a couple games now and we've seen already the highs and lows of the Maple Leafs which is like incredible because it's three games into the NHL season but let me just say I think this is Toronto's division to lose I think they're the best team in this division, and that's not just because I'm a, I'm a diehard Leaf fan. I, I just think if you look at them on paper, they're the best team in this division. If they lose this division, if they don't finish at number one, in all honesty, I think you have to look at this season as a failure. And I know you can say, okay, well, if they make the playoffs, they just have to be in the top four. And then to make the conference finals, you just have to be the best out of those fours and whatever. I get that. So maybe calling it a failure if they don't win this division isn't the right thing to say. But to me, who expects a lot out of this team, who expects a ton out of this top six, like if they don't win this division, I'm going to say it's a failure. Um, I don't want to talk about the games that they've played, but I I just want to say a couple things case i totally agree with some of the decisions man it's super weird like the power play i am so fed up with that like having two number one power play units they call it it does not work it will never work like that's just not how good teams operate toronto had the third best power play in the league last season after sheldon keith took over and that's largely because they played the big four guys up front and either morgan riley or tyson berry as the quarterback on that power play this year though 
They've got it split up. They've got Wayne Simmons playing on the power play, Jumbo Joe Thornton on the power play as well, Zach Hyman on the second unit. You know, they've split up the Spezza. big four. Spezza, it, Spezza out there. Dude, yeah, like, it, it just does not make sense. It's not something that good teams do. And watch out for this. Like, this is going to change. And in, in the three games that we've seen, every single time they've put the big unit on the ice with the top four and Morgan Riley. They've scored a power play goal. And that's not even like that. Those are facts every single mm-hmm. time. So that's something I wanted to say, first of all. Second thing, Case, you mentioned it too. Like having Jumbo Joe Thornton on the first line, alternating with Zach Hyman. It, Joe Thornton played 18 minutes the other night, which was more than both Tavares and Nylander in that third game, which like to me, that is absolutely unacceptable to play a guy who makes 700k against the cap more so than two of your highest paid players so to me that was just garbage think of another team around the league who does that nobody it's never been done there's a reason for it if a guy's old and can't keep up in the top six don't play him in the top six like so that's got me fed up and i could talk about this team all day but uh overall like i i've said a lot of negatives already but at the end of the day like i really think this team might have one of the best top sixes in the nhl if utilized properly i think as i mentioned in a previous episode i think they've really improved on the back end and i said in my hot takes episode they have a top six top six defense in the NHL. I don't know about that, but they're certainly top 10 or at least on the better half of the league. And goaltending. If both goalies are able to perform, I think they've really got a good chance uh, to win this division and it's their division to lose. I know I talked a lot there. Harp, I'll pass it to you. Give me your thoughts on the Leafs. And uh, I guess if we're picking them to pick to go number one here, maybe say some more positives than I did. I'm just overly critical of my team. That's all. No, no, that that's good, and uh, I mean, there are some concerns, but there's also some uh, really positive takeaways looking at uh, the way that, uh, you know, William Nylander has, has started the season. I mean, that's a guy right there in your top six forward group that needs to have a big year, and, um, you know, just looking at the back end, I mean, TJ Brody has struggled out of the gate, but he is a, a very solid defenseman, and I think it's just uh, kind of working off the rust for him, and he's definitely going to be a, a very valuable defenseman back there. I, I look at a guy like Justin Hall as well, who has really come on the last few years. And and then looking at the power play, I mean, I, I don't really have a problem with guys like Wayne Simmons and, and Joe Thornton being uh, on the power play as long as they're that net front presence. But you can't have them behind the net or along the half wall trying to make plays, that sort of thing. Um, Matthews and Marner are looking really good trying to make plays out there. And then, yeah, they're really high on Jack Campbell. And I thought he played really well against the Ottawa Senators the other night in that win. And, uh, you know, um, he's going to be very valuable because you need two goalies in this uh, in this season. So, yeah, no, uh, a lot of positives for Toronto out of the gate so far. They've got some things to clean up, but I like them to win this division. Yeah, I've, I've got a, a couple points that I want to make here. I think I think that this team can have an incredible power play if they just stick with the big guns. It's really what they have to do. Um one thing that we've noticed already in this season is they have to stay out of the penalty box. They've yes. given the Sens like three opportunities at five on three already. And it's pretty bad because this team doesn't have a great penalty kill either. Um, I mean, we've been experimenting with Austin Matthews out there and uh, by Berkey's law, that's a, a bad opinion, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um, 
and you know i i like the top six a lot you have to it's there's just so much depth on this team even the taxi squad you go right down the depth is incredible with these guys and we've talked about how they might be the team that's going to benefit the most from the taxi squad and from having your ahl team right there um I will say that I do like the decor, but it might not be as good as you think. Um, one of the things that I've I've been trying to preach before this season is that TJ Brody is not as good as you think he is. And uh, one of the things we've seen in the first three games is that he isn't. He, he has not played well. And I've got an interesting article for you guys to read. It's called The Shocking Decline of TJ Brody. Uh-oh. It's by Kent Wilson on The Athletic. And it pretty much states everything I've said about the guy. And uh, this was back in 2018, 2019, where he's already been declining. And I think he has ever since as well. And basically, it shows that TJ Brody was only good when he played with Mark Giordano. Yeah. Simply put, the worst thing that has happened to TJ Brody is uh, Dougie Hamilton coming to Calgary. Because when that happened, he was shifted down. He started playing on the left side, which is a strong side, but his stats do not benefit from that. And every single pairing he had besides one resulted in negative numbers across the board, and he was just brutal. So that ultimately ended up leading to him leaving Calgary and coming to Toronto. So I think two areas that this team is sort of handcuffed now is that TJ Brody has to play with Morgan Riley for that to be successful, and it might not be successful because, frankly... We've we've seen some pairings that, you know, Morgan Riley doesn't make everyone good who he plays with. Morgan Riley is great, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't necessarily make people better with them playing with him. And another spot is Jimmy VC has to play on that second line, or else there's no spot for him on this team because I do not think he's a bottom six player. I think he's a top six player, but not a very good one to be honest. Yeah. Um. And and. Other than that, I love this team. I love the third line. Kerfoot has played exceptional in the first uh, couple games, if you ask me. And I think you have a good good uh, uh, fourth line there. And now <laughs> they're already talking about, oh, they're going to have a difficult decision to make in goaltending oh now God. that Jack Campbell's played well. No, play Freddie Anderson. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, play play the guy who has a career 917 save percentage and has had a difficult start to the season the last few years, but gets over it and plays well for the rest of the season. And so that conversation is driving me bonkers already. We're three games into the season. But Case, I, I just want to touch on a, a few of the points you made there. I think uh, penalties was a big problem, uh, especially with a, a, a penalty kill that is unproven. We lost Kasperi Kapanen, one of our best penalty killers. Uh, the Maple Leafs lost Pierre Engvall. He is currently on the taxi squad. He was one of the best penalty killers for the Leafs last year. And so it's a new look penalty kill, especially trying out Austin Matthews at that position uh, to get him some more minutes and sort of have a little bit of an offensive threat on the penalty kill for shorthanded goals and, and that sort of thing. So we'll see how that works out. But like I said, it's unproven. Um, in terms of Brody, so you talked a lot about Brody. Um, I think, listen, this is the best chance the Maple Leafs have had to get Morgan Riley uh, some minutes in the NHL where he's not having to carry a line. So this is the best partner he has ever had. And you can you can debate all you want whether TJ Brody is as good as he used to be. He's certainly better than Cody Ceci. 
He's certainly better than Ron Haynes. Oh, yeah. And he's certainly better than uh, Matt Hunwick. Those were the last three partners that, that uh, Morgan no, Riley had. So I agree with you there, but yeah. more of my point is to lower expectations. Yeah, no, I agree. In the first Fair. game, yeah, the first game he he certainly struggled, but I thought that the next two he he came into his own. And let's not forget too, like these players are still learning a new system, playing with new players. Like there was a lot of turnover on this squad, so there's going to be you know some some chemistry issues there. Um, final point, case I love the the depth of this team, but. Zach Bogosian, I don't think looks like he's an NHL player. I think Miko Lettinen should get a shot. After all, he was the best defenseman in the KHL for the last three years. And he was a point per game in the KHL as a defenseman this season before coming over. So let's experiment with that. Let's see, you know, what happens there. But anyways, we've talked quite a bit about the Leafs. We've got them at number one. Hold, hold, yeah. One sec, just yeah. two quick points okay. there. I like Bogosian, but frankly, I think he would be an outstanding player if he was drafted 15 years ago. Yeah, like he he's old time hockey, and it doesn't work anymore. You saw that with his holding penalty and his tripping oh, penalty. God. Like he plays a big, bulky, tough game, and it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Um, I love the player, and I, I like the guy himself, but Me too. I don't know if it's going to work uh, necessarily. And um, had another opinion there on what you said. Um, but I can't think about it right now. Oh, uh, last point I want to make about TJ Brody, which you said it gets Morgan Riley minutes. Yeah. Um, even with his decline in Calgary, at the time he was writing that article, he led the whole team in even strength time on ice. So yeah, he's, he's a guy that's used to playing a handful of minutes. And, yeah. and for me to wrap up the Leafs here, it is so Toronto Maple Leafs that we can dump on a team so much and then want to rank them first. Yeah, dude, that is probably the second most Toronto Maple Leaf thing we've seen all day. And number one is Jason Spezza's agent saying that he will not report to another team if he is claimed off of waivers. I thought that was something funny. But final point, sorry, I know we're wrapping up Toronto, but I've got I've got one more. And, and obviously I could talk about this team all day. But uh, I would be interested to see Zach Bogosian play as a seventh defenseman for this team because we know he can kill penalties. He's proven that. He's a good penalty killer. His numbers show that as well. I would like to see the Maple Leafs try out dressing 11 forwards and 7 defensemen and having Miko Lettinen play on the second power play pair as you know a, a guy that they can throw out there to be a quarterback because he did that in, in the KHL. And also, I would like to see Zach Bogosian be, play more of a specialist penalty-killing role and then maybe both guys get, you know, seven to 12 minutes per night. I think it's possible when you look at the fact that they're rolling wingers, for one, mm-hmm. and yep. Barabanov played like six minutes or whatever, so yeah. eight, eight minutes, I don't know. Um, so pretty much you you can do the 11 forward thing in 70, why not? Yeah, I'd like to see it. Barabanov in his first game played five minutes and 48 seconds. So there it that's, is. You know, anyways. Again, I'll I'll wrap this up. Uh, any further points, Harp, on the Leafs before we wrap up and move on? No, I'm good. Uh, some question marks early, but they've got a very good team, and uh, hey, they uh, it, it's they've got to be in the top three in this division. That's for sure. So, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we move on uh, to who you guys both have at number two, and that is the Calgary Flames. So let's talk about the Flames. A very good showing uh, the other night against the Vancouver Canucks. Jacob Markstrom, uh, the big goaltender that they added in the offseason, six times six, gets a shutout against his former team. They've added Chris Tanev as well, Josh Lee. Evo, all former Vancouver Canucks, and uh, the Flames look good early on. So let's talk about the Flames case. Yeah, um, simply putting it, the <laughs> Markstrom, Chris Tanev, Levo for Hamannick trade that happened this offseason <laughs> does not look favorable for Vancouver at all. No um, kidding. You know, Calgary came out on top this one, just plucking guys away from Vancouver and they've had a lot of good pickups this offseason kind of pickups that are showing you know we don't want to give up on this team and and we knew that Trey Leving wanted to do a little um shift in the roster and and we saw that and I think that what's come out in the end with this team is very few weaknesses that's what I have I you know they don't have ridiculous strengths other than maybe four guys in their top six and uh goaltending but they have no weaknesses on this team, and that's what I see so far. Um, one thing that I like to say about Calgary all the time is that it just seems like they're all on the same page, and they all understand their roles. Obviously, the guy that's shown that the most is Sam Bennett, yeah. kind of being a, a, a high-end prospect and, and then learning his role as a bottom six player and then being one of the best at it. And I think that there's a lot of guys on this team that understand where they play up and down the roster, and it, it works together or works well together, all of them. So it's a team I like a lot, and they're always going to find ways to win and uh, definitely find ways to piss you off while they do it. 100%. Uh, boys, I really like this team. I, I love the addition of Jacob Markstrom. I think he is proven uh, in the NHL that he is one of the best goaltenders in this league year in, year out. And he's already done that and, and proven that to his new team in Calgary with the shutout against uh, Vancouver the other night. So good for him there. Uh, Tanev and Levo as well. I mean, Levo's kind of, you know, an afterthought. He's he's a bottom six player. But Tanev, that's a great pickup for this team. So you look at their lineup, and I'm with Case here. I don't see many holes. I love their top six uh, because there are a lot of proven players in that top six. I think Gaudreau is due for a rebound season this this year, and, and I can really see that happening. Uh, Mangiapane, I think, is due to have a good season this year, a breakout season, if you will, if he plays yeah. consistent top six minutes. And uh, yeah, I think I, I love their defense now. You know, you've got studs on the back end and Anderson and Hannafin and now Tanev and of course the aging but still very good uh, Geo there. So they've got, you know, really good players up and down this lineup. And let's not forget, I think they have one of the best tandems in the NHL now with Markstrom as the starter and Big Save Dave as the as the backup but a guy who was he was capable of stealing games let's not forget big save dave and that's mr dave riddick i'm talking about was an nhl all-star last season so now they've got two potential all-star goaltenders and uh i i really like this team from top to bottom yeah and i i think you said it well um about their decor and that the guys they brought in filled all of the holes that were made in this offseason very well. So I think they've done well there. And um, 
I think a point to be to be taken from everything I said about TJ Brody is that Giordano is one of those guys that does make everyone good who he plays with. And yeah. we've seen that with Rasmus Anderson, who is now a legitimate top two pairing defenseman in this league. And now you got Chris Tanev playing with Noah Hannafin. I, I don't see any problems here. And Nesterov, another guy they've picked up on the back end, taking him from the KHL. He kind of yeah. proved himself early in his career already. And now he's coming back from the KHL a little older, a little wiser. And I think he's gonna be a solid guy back there. So yeah, I like I like everything about this team. Um, why the hell did I not put them one? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, like the, like this team. Don't be surprised if this team wins the division. Honestly, don't be surprised if any of the top four teams that we talk about win this division because I think it's going to be very close, to be honest. But uh, man, th- this team is deep. I really love them. They should have no problem making the playoffs in the first place, and they're going to be a good. Uh, uh, playoff team if they can keep scoring so like I mentioned I think they've got a handful of guys who are who are looking to have either a breakout or a rebound season we've got them at number two both Casey and I harp so harp who do you have at number two and why don't you have the Calgary Flames what don't you like well I, I there's not much I don't like about the Calgary Flames I just think that you know it, them and, and Montreal at that number two and, and three spots like it's it's interchangeable I think they've got a very versatile forward group um, uh, you know you look at Montreal the big joke in the offseason was how many guys in this lineup could score 20 goals this year same thing with the Calgary Flames and they've got guys that can move up and down Levo Dominic Simone who they picked up in the offseason Dylan Dubé who we forgot to mention Backlund Bennett Lindholm who they've got playing uh, as their first line center right now to start the season obviously Matthew Kachuk leads that group and so they've just got so many guys that can move up and down the lineup really solid back end uh, we're waiting to see uh, what Yusuf Valimaki can do he's the one that they're kind of they've been waiting on he's had some injuries early on in his career but I think he's a stud back there you know we talked about Anderson Tanev those guys as well and then a solid goalie tandem I just think Montreal has all of that and uh, but I'm, I'm gonna take Montreal just because I, I, I do think that that price and Allen tandem is just a little bit better uh, but then other than that, I mean, they're, they're the same with the fact that they've got the great forward groups uh, and uh, and defense as well. So I've got Montreal at two and then Calgary uh, just behind them at number three. But man, like it could go either way. OK, so yeah, we, uh, we've both got Edmonton in that number three spot and then Montreal at four. So for yeah. for you to put Montreal at two, that's jumping up two places here. And so it, it's going to need to be a, a pretty good argument, Harper, and for why you're going to be including them at two. I think, and like like I said from the very start, like it, it it's going to be tight, and I like the top four teams. Hell, I like all seven teams to at least have a shot at, at making the playoffs, and uh, so it is going to be tight. So I don't have that much of a problem with moving a team like Montreal up, especially after you know the, the game that they had against the Maple Leafs that I watched. That was They looked really good in that, especially Nick Suzuki. Um, but yeah, this, and against the Oilers, the game they just had against the Oilers. That's right. I, although against the Oilers, I will say that was, I think, more so uh, Miko Koskinen not playing very well. But anyways, that can that's a conversation for another day. But how are we gonna how are we gonna reconcile this case? Any ideas? I, I guess for me, you know, I, I have a lot of good to say about Montreal. Um, probably the only hole I can poke at Calgary is maybe their right wing depth. Um, but 
you have your best right winger playing center now and that's working out just fine so is that really a hole um but if i could yeah. try to poke some holes at montreal maybe it'd be a reason to put them at three or maybe four um i do like this team a lot so it's going to be tough for me to poke some holes but like i said devil's advocate here um yeah. for one i don't think that goaltending tandem is better than calgary's i think that uh, big save Dave is better than J- Jake Allen by a considerable uh, margin. And I think that Markstrom and Carey Price are very uh, similar I think in uh, in skill nowadays. So, uh, you know, you saw Markstrom is was like almost a heart candidate, uh, how he got Vancouver to the playoffs last year and maybe could have been in the Vesna talks a little more. Um, when I look at Montreal, uh, I see a lot of depth up front and a lot of tough players to play against. They're a yeah. pesty team. Um, to name oh, a few, yeah. Gallagher, obviously. Anderson, because he's huge and plays a, a hard-nosed game. Joel Armia plays a tough game. Uh, Perry's a little shit when he's in the lineup. And <laughs> and frankly, Niemi can be a little bit of a pest himself. And one guy that I liked a lot when they were playing against Toronto is Jake Evans. We've talked about him a yeah. lot when Harbour yes. and I went and watched him in the show, uh, rookie showcase. He's a guy who I pointed out as my favorite guy to watch at that showcase. I didn't know he was as old as he is. He's 24, but that's because he spent so much time in the NCAA captaining uh, the uh, Fighting Irish. Um, he He's played a tough, hard, physical game in that, that uh, 4C spot. But that's probably one hole that I had making this... Uh, this ranking is the amount of young guys Montreal is relying on to be good every single night. Their center depth is Nick Suzuki and Kotka Niemi and Jake Evans, all very young guys who have um, less experience than you'd want to be building your center core with. Uh, look at me talking with Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes and Jesper Bokefist. But, yeah. um, and then Alexander Radunov, or Romanov, excuse me, was a guy that I was going to say, you know, um, I'm excited to watch him and they're going to rely on him a lot. And my God, three games later, I, I'm like, okay, sure. He's the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> Solidify NHL player. Yeah. He yeah. played so well in that first game. He was the most noticeable guy on the ice. So yes, he, he sure um, did. It, it might not be as much as a, of a Montreal is not as good. I just think Calgary just has no weaknesses at all. And uh, yeah, it's uh I guess we're gonna we're gonna have to see what Carey Price does in this short and tight season. You know, his health is gonna be a priority, and uh, um, let's see if his skill uh, can rebound a little bit. I I don't know, Chad. You got any points that are gonna trash these guys a little bit? Uh, I mean, not really. Like just to just to jump in here and, and summarize and and sort of conclude this little this little argument for number two that we've got going here. I think at the end of the day, both teams are gonna be good, but the fact that Case and I both have Montreal at four and, and Calgary at two. I think two against one harp. Sorry, we're gonna have to go that uh, go that route here. We're gonna have to go Calgary at two. That's that's okay. I'm leaning. Okay. I was going to jump in and just say I'm leaning towards that. I, I, I'm going to. I think it's safe to put Montreal at three, and then but Calgary at two. Absolutely. I just I have too many good things to say about that hockey club. But anyways, okay. continue. Yeah, but listen, you you said it's a safe bet to put Montreal at three, and I'm not so sure that's the case because I really like Edmonton too. But we're talking about Montreal right now, so let's have the conversation about who should be three, who should be four out of those. 
two teams because as we know, Case and I both have Edmonton, then Montreal, and Harp, you have Montreal, then Edmonton. So I'm going to talk about Montreal a little bit. I really like this team, honestly. I think they've got great depth, and they sure as hell looked great against the Maple Leafs. But I've got a few points. I think they don't have the top-end scoring that you would like to see on a fun NHL team in this North division, which is going to be higher scoring than the rest of the division. So I I think they lack a bit of top end talent. I mean, you've got Suzuki, you've got Gallagher, but after that, you know, you're kind of waiting for guys. You're waiting for a guy like Kotkaniemi to show that he's truly a talented player in, in this league. And I think they've got great depth. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I said, you know, they've got Anderson and, and Toffoli now too. And so many guys, like you said, from the very start, Harp, who could score 20 goals. And I think that's a great thing to have. But it, to me, it's a weirdly balanced lineup. And I might be a bit biased because it, in Toronto, it's totally the opposite of that. It's very top heavy. But that's my one fault against this uh, against these top 12 skaters here. Um, secondly, Carey Price, he has looked very good so far. But I will say, like, and we've been having this conversation for the last, I would say, year and a half now. Carey Price might not be the guy that everybody says he is as the absolute number one goaltender in the NHL. Like, I don't think that's the case anymore. But I will say, now with a, a, a revamped top six defense core in front of him, with, you know, guys like Weber completely healthy ready to go for the season. Guys like Petrie who have stepped up, you know, even bringing in guys like uh, Joel Edmondson to shore up the top six. Like there are going to be absolutely no excuses for Carey Price this season. And and the biggest point I forgot to mention, Jake Allen as the backup goalie, like to, to make sure that Carey Price doesn't overplay. Like there are a lot of things that are going to be helping or, or be working in Carey Price's benefit this season. And that could be a very good thing. But the point that I'm trying to get across is that there will be absolutely no excuses for this guy moving forward. So I'm, uh, I'm willing to put Montreal at three if we have, uh, if I hear a good argument for it, but I still like Edmonton and I'd like to talk about them after, but Harp share some thoughts on, uh, on Montreal. I know you're eager to jump in. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, looking at looking at the forward depth, um, a guy that we haven't even mentioned, who I think is is so underrated on this team, and uh, and that's Philip Deneau. Yeah. And this is a contract year for him. He's he's one of the best two way centers in the game. I think he's very underrated. Um, and and I just I like how much grittier this team is, particularly with guys like Anderson. Gallagher and uh, and Edmondson, who is just a force back there uh, on that blue line for uh, for for Montreal, and and you know, looking at this goalie tandem, yes, it's not the same Carey Price as as we saw you know a few years ago. He's not the number one goaltender in the National Hockey League, but I certainly think with yeah a, revamp, a revamped decor, like you said, Chad, and the fact that he's got Jake Gallon behind him for some support and not much weight is going to be on his shoulders. I really like Montreal in that number three spot. So definitely willing to to put Calgary at two, but I think Montreal has to be at number three. Okay, so you're going to weigh in here on, on this? 
I'd like to make a point about Philip Deneau, and it's going to be a positive one. I, I think that he is going to be super excited for this year because Max Domi is out the door, and that means that he's the number one C on this team, and that's a role that he wanted badly, and he made he was vocal about that. Yeah. And well, here's your opportunity, Philip Deneau. Don't waste it. So I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, incredible faceoff guy, great two way defenseman or uh, centerman, and. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big year for Dano, and I don't think he's going to waste it. I think it's going to be a good season for him. And, um, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of with Harper that I might want to move these guys up to three. Okay. Well, uh, how about how about I talk about Edmonton, and, and we can get into a conversation about that, and then yeah, we can decide the three and four spot, and then we'll move on because uh, we we want to keep this fairly short. So, yeah, yeah. Ju- just for Edmonton here, uh, I, I just think it's impossible to bet against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, I think they've got a, a top-heavy, top six and, and forward group in general. And I, I think that in a fun <laughs> North division that's going to score a lot of goals per game, more than any other conference projected to be anyway, uh, I, I think they're they're just going to run up the score. The problem with that, having a heavy top six, is that if one or two guys aren't on that night, then, you know, it, that could be a bad thing. But I will say, I think they've done a good job to, to fill out their top 12 uh, this year, especially their top nine, you know. Adding a guy like Kaylor Yamamoto to their top six. Last season, he scored at a point-per-game pace in the NHL in in just a short amount of games. This year, in a top six role, I think he is poised to break out and have just a fantastic year. So that's one guy who you'll be adding to the top six who I think is capable of... uh, of you know when all the attention is on guys like McDavid and Drysidel, and even a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, who is fantastic too. By the way, you can't forget him. Um, I think a guy like Kaylor Yamamoto could step in and uh, score a handful of goals for this team. Maybe not score at a point per game pace, but I mean, playing on the wing with one of these guys, McDavid or Drysidel, anything's possible. The second point I wanted to make was uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. He's coming back, and and he's playing in the NHL. Now, granted, he's playing in a bottom six, or I guess a middle six role, you could call it, bouncing between the second and third line, we hope, and and hopefully playing some some power play time as well. The guy scored at nearly a point-per-game pace in the Liga over the last two seasons, and he he looked pretty good there. And when we did our NHL E-Series and and taking his Liga stats into account, that projects him on about a 40-point pace in the NHL uh, on an 82-game season. So looking about, you know, almost about half a point per game. Pair that with top six minutes, power play time, with two of the most talented players in the entire NHL and the entire world, I could see this guy scoring at a 50-point pace this season or about roughly 35 points. And I think... One of the big things about Edmonton is that they get a lot of flack because they don't have depth scoring. Well, I think Jesse Pugliarvi will be a guy this year, at least Edmonton Oilers fans hope, uh, he'll be a guy to pick up some of the depth scoring. Third and final point about this team is Tyson Berry. Watch out for this guy. And just because things didn't work out in Toronto, that does not mean that things will not work out for him in Edmonton. He's going to... Somewhat of a smaller market. It's still a Canadian market, but there are, are like noticeably less eyes on him. He'll be playing that first power play role, which he already has on that first unit, quarterbacking it, passing to, again, some of the best players in the world. I could really see him scoring at a 50 or 60 point pace here uh, on this 56 game season. And so those are a few guys who I think 
you know, can provide some more depth scoring for this team. Even though they're missing Clefbaum on the back end, I think their D will be fine. I really like Ethan Bear and uh, and company there. The one big question mark about this team is goaltending. Miko Koskinen, will he be good enough? That's that's a big question mark. And if we're going to put this team at number three in the conference, we don't want question marks. So I, I get that that's a, that's a point of contention that, Harb, you're, you're going to jump on likely. But uh, man, like Koskinen, I think he's underrated. Like I think he's had a bad start to the season. But let's not forget, like he had a 917 last year in, in 38 games. Like this guy, he's huge. I think he gets flack because he's older. And he didn't look good in the first couple games, but I think he's underrated. He's going to figure it out. He he certainly has to if this team is going to be good. But anyways, that's my argument for the Edmonton Oilers. Feel free to uh, to jump in here. Yeah, um, the first thing I want to say about this team is now that you have Turris, why don't you move Leon Dreisaitl beside Connor McDavid? Yeah. When those two are on the ice together, they're just connecting left, right, and center on goals. So why isn't that happening? Move Nugent Hopkins down and put him with Kyle Turris and Yamamoto. And then put Harper Cody on the right wing with Dry Seidel and Connor McDavid, and it's going to work out. <laughs> yes. Like it, it, that, that lineup that I just said, minus Harper Cody, reminds me of the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins have that ridiculous top line. And then they have Derek Krejci on the, the second center uh, for the last eons yeah. and like Kyle Turris can be that good yeah why, why, not? why not do that I I, I don't yeah. understand it personally I'm always a little confused when I look at this lineup with like Zach Cassian on the right wing with McDavid all the time but I think that there's a lot of opportunity here you know the two guys they brought in that famous boys in the booth theme we always like to bring up of change of scenery I think it's going to work out for both those guys and all of their additions um Barry Turris Pulja Harvey are all to bring in scoring. That's mm-hmm. all of the focus there. Barry's not here to play defense. He's here to score Fuck points. No. He's here to create chances. And that you know, they've talked about it in the media. It's going to take off a lot of weight off McDavid and dry set, uh, shoulders. And I think that can do a world of good for this team. Um, however, I've got some problems with this team. Okay. Um, and it starts with the decor. That is not a good decor. Okay. Um, there's a lot of young faces there. For one, uh, if like Evan Bouchard ever makes the team, uh, Ethan Bear is very solid. I will say that. I don't know if he's a top pairing defenseman yet. Um, Caleb Jones has been okay, but I don't know if he's a top four defenseman yet. And then Adam Larson seems to forget that he's on the ice every once in a while, and, and it's detrimental every single time. Um, I really don't like this decor to play defense at all. Uh, Darnell Nurse and, and Ethan Bear are the only two real solid ones at playing defense to me. Um, and then I've got problems with the goaltending tandem yeah. because there isn't one for one. We really only know about the starter who's Koskinen, and I don't really have all of the faith, or faith that you have in him personally yeah so i don't either i've got a lot of problems with the back end especially since mike and uh mike smith is on the ir for the for the tandem um now it's looking like Stuart skinner and probably aaron dell to be probably honest probably aaron dell <laughs> um <laughs> we'll see if tomorrow we look like idiots when we post this and aaron dell didn't get picked up but anyways i think that this team has some holes on the back end and in net and i think that they're crazily inconsistent 
And that's going to be a big problem in a short season. You can't be doing that. You got to you gotta win games or at least get it to overtime if you're going to lose because those overtime points are going to be huge. And yeah. we've seen already in the first three games how inconsistent this team can be, like losing 5-2, then winning 5-1. And like they're just all over the place. So um, obviously I have enough faith in this team to put them in the playoffs, especially with their top-end talent. And I think they will get there. But I'm starting to side with Harp a little bit that yeah. it's going to be the last spot in the playoffs. That putting Edmonton at four, Montreal at three. That's that's, that's what you're right. saying, Case. Um, I, yeah. I just wanted before Harp jumps in because I I know he wants to hear. I, I just wanted to touch on a couple points. First of all, Case, when you're talking about McDavid and Drysidle and moving them to to one line, and then on your second line having Nuge with Turris on the wing and someone else Yamamoto. Um, you know who would be a fit on that top line if they ever did that. Puliarvi. Yeah. Why not? The guy would score a point per game. But anyway, so that's something I wanted to say. Um the defense. Yeah. I you know what? Like I think it's a serviceable defense. Um, but I don't think it's it's a great defensive defense. And like you mentioned, the guys that they brought in are here to score goals and not play defense. That's even the same thing with a guy like Kyle Turris. He is not a great defensive center. Uh, on this team so I think there will be a lot a, a handful of defensive gaffes throughout the year but I mean if this team is going to win and trust me like this is what they do they're going to win a lot of games 7-6 <laughs> because yeah. it's it's a fun high scoring division this is a fun high scoring team but anyways I, I do have some faith in this team I'm willing to move them but uh, Harp jump in on this uh, this whole conversation here well, I'm just glad Case agrees with me on something for once. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, no, I um I just feel like Dave Tippett could manage this lineup a little bit better. Like and and I'm talking about the forward group, okay? Like there's no reason now with the additions that you've made that Josh Archibald needs to be playing on the top line with McDavid and Dreisaitl if, you know, they decide to to have Dreisaitl up on the left side with those two. Why not put Dreisaitl with McDavid and a fellow German, Dominic Cahoon, with uh, with Dreisaitl, another guy they picked up in the offseason we forgot to mention. Then on that second line, you can have Nuge on the left side with uh, Turris in the middle and Yamamoto or Pugliarvi, I think. So I just think the forward group could be managed a little bit better. And you know what? Like This is a new opportunity for Kyle Turris. It was not the same Kyle Turris that we saw in Nashville. Give him a chance in the top six, I think. Um, and then the defense. It just goes to show how shorthanded they are back there without Oscar Clefbaum and what he does on the power play and how much minutes he logs five on five. Nurse and Bear are great defensemen, but other than that, I mean, I don't know. Like the last couple of years, like you said, Case, Adam Larson has taken a bit of a step back. You know, I, I don't know where Evan Bouchard is. I'd like to see him in this lineup and rather than guys like Chris Russell or Slater Cuckoo, who they, you know, who they picked up on a cheap one-year deal. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of holes on this team. And oh yeah, the goaltending, like you guys mentioned, you know, hopefully they pick up Aaron Dell or address that backup position in some way. Was kind of surprised they brought back Mike Smith, to be honest. Um, I know they were interested in Jimmy Howard as well, who is expected to announce his retirement from pro hockey. So yeah, I just think there's a lot of question marks on this team. The lineup could 
could be managed a little bit better. I think we're going to see a lot of different looks uh, in the forward group this year from Dave Tippett and the coaching staff. But yeah, I just I think Edmonton uh, is is looking like they're going to be in this fourth spot. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with that. Like I said right off the top, like this is going to be a tight division. I, I'm willing to to put them there. Let's move on though uh, to to the five, six, and seven spots in yep. this division. Here, is it fair for me to say that Ottawa is going to be in the seventh spot here? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate saying it because I feel like they can surprise people this year. I know. Me too. Me I know. too. And and they they have done that already. Like man, they're going to be a pain in the ass to play against this season, aren't they? Dude. Yeah. Well, let's let's get to them after we talk sure. about number five here. Yeah. Okay. We'll, All right. We'll talk about them when we get to seven. I yeah. Guess. Okay. <laughs> okay. So five then. Uh, Case and I both have Winnipeg. Harp. Who do you have in the number five spot? I, I have the Winnipeg Jets as well. So, right, uh, Case, why don't you, yeah, you kick off the Jets for us and that number five spot. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, well, I mean, first of all, let's talk about the top six. It's very good. It's, yeah. a, it's a great top six, and, and I like it a lot. And, and one, you know, Patrick Laine's kicked off the season pretty hot. Kyle Connor can score goals. We know Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, and Nikolai Eulers are all very good. And now they've picked up Paul Stassi to set of that second line. And I think that's a, a lot better than um, Little as much as I like the guy. Um, yeah. Let me preference that. Um, and then something I've, I've talked about basically every time I have to talk about Winnipeg, I bring this up, is the shutdown line. And we know how how good this team is at shutting down the other time uh team's top line and and i really like uh copper and and larry and whoever else plays with them right now it's mason appleton but um usually it's uh Roslovich, i believe yeah um oh, that's yeah. a big question mark there um and where i start to say that this team isn't necessarily a uh Stand, or a playoff team anymore is this decor is just not there for me uh i like josh morrissey a lot and neil pionk has proven himself in winnipeg but other than that i'm not a huge fan of any of the guys here i know that sammy niku was almost on his way out last year with the team almost putting him on waivers and uh tucker pullman and and Derek forbert they brought in forbert uh to be kind of a defensive guy but it kind of i think there's a lot of holes here for sure um yeah the the last good thing i'm going to say about this team is that connor hallibuck can steal a game at any time of course 100 percent um so case you mentioned i mean obviously this team is losing brian little to a long-term injury it's a perforated eardrum uh so we have no idea if he will ever be back in the nhl it'll you know largely depend on on how that recovery process goes but they bring back a guy like stastny i think he's a really good fit on that second line you mentioned the two guys jack roslovic patrick line both a little bit disgruntled on this team but at the end of the day like patrick line is in a contract year he's one of the best goal scorers in the nhl hands down he's gonna score goals no matter where he's playing so like don't you shouldn't be worrying about that um and, and the big piece is connor hellebuck the 2019 2020 vesna trophy winner for the best goalie in the nhl 
This guy can steal games. He's done it in the past. Don't be surprised if this team makes the playoffs. Like if they sneak into to a fourth spot, even a third spot, like who knows? We've talked about how close this division is going to be. Don't be surprised if this team makes the playoffs. But yeah, Case, I, I have concerns for all the same reasons you do uh, about this team too. So I think it's a good team, but they've certainly got some holes. And uh, and, and as long as they, if they do address them throughout the season, we've talked about how difficult trades are going to be to make, you know, so... I don't know how that's going to work, but yeah, I think it's a good team with some holes and that's why I've got them in the five spot. Yeah, no, uh, again, just the, the defense is the biggest thing. They, I was really looking for them to address that with a big name in the off season or whether it's a trade or something like that, but bringing in Derek Forbert just isn't enough. And, um, you know, Neil Pionk, the the scouting staff there, they did some great work uh, there bringing him in in the Jacob Truba trade um, and and just had a a massive breakout year for them. But, you know, for for him and Morrissey, for it to be all on those guys, it's just not fair and it's just not enough on that back end. And you mentioned Hellebuck can definitely steal a game. I think Laurent Brossois is is a very solid backup uh, goaltender as well for them. And um, this is a year where you need two goaltenders but yeah I just think there's a lot of holes when you look at the forward group defense uh, and and that sort of thing so yeah Winnipeg in that five spot absolutely don't have a lot to say and also um, you know Jack Rosovic, we'll see what happens there. I do think he gets moved eventually. He wants out of Winnipeg. Kind of kind of silly, though, when really, like, he's looking for a bigger role, change of scenery and all that, but he kind of hasn't proved himself already yeah. yet. I don't know. I just don't like that. So, something, anyway. Something I want to say is that two teams that seem to be doomed to fail in this league are the Winnipeg Jets and the Columbus Blue Jackets because, frankly, yeah. no one wants to play there. Yeah, and it's it's very tough because I think if some if the if the, those two teams kept their players over the past few seasons, Columbus would be a dynasty. Yes, <laughs> and Winnipeg would be a playoff team, and, and you know that that's also me including maybe a free agency signing here or there. But no one wants to play in Winnipeg, frankly, yeah. and and Columbus seems to be falling into that same area, whether that be because of it being in Columbus or if that's because of coaching, maybe. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But look, it's the nature of the sport, right? And it, it's the nature of the markets. You know, if, if nobody wants to play in Winnipeg and sign for, you know, say you sign, you're not going to win a lot of free agent uh, negotiations, by the way, to play in Winnipeg. But let's say you sign for six mil in Winnipeg then you got you to gotta play in the winter and imagine signing for six mil in Florida or Arizona, two teams who aren't very good, but better location, less taxes, and you're going to make yeah. more money and it's just less pressure. You're not in a Canadian market. So yeah, there's a lot of factors working against Winnipeg, but just, just to wrap up here, and I'm not trying to disrespect the Winnipeg Jets at all um, by any means, but uh, you guys mentioned Neil Pionk. Had a really good season last year. I will say, though, I think he he really outperformed uh, his expectations and and maybe his his value overall. So I would temper expectations of Neil Pionk a little bit this season. Um, secondly, another guy who I was going to say you should temper expectations on when we were talking about Montreal was Alex Romanov. But uh, um, no, get get jacked. This guy is good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, my wrap up here. 
Um, and one that's going to lead us into talk about number six sure. is that the top nine of this Winnipeg Jets team and their goaltending is enough for me to put them ahead of the Vancouver Canucks. So let's get on to and into it. Yeah. Yes. Um, we've talked about this team quite a bit and how we believe that they're going to take quite a step back. And we've already mentioned the the subtractions they had in the off season where it seemed like all of them went to uh, Calgary um, and and a few here and there, like to Foley to Montreal and Stetcher to Detroit and you know Stetcher Stetcher and Levo and Godobin, those aren't as big of losses, but Markstrom and Tanev and Toffoli, that's tough. And uh, you know, I, I I like that they they countered that pretty quickly by bringing in Nate Schmidt. I think he's a great defenseman, um, but honestly, I, I think I'd rather have Tanev than Schmidt and Hamannik. <laughs> yeah to to put it plainly um so those are my my quick uh negatives about the team another one is consistency and and we've seen a couple of these players taking steps back from what they did in maybe their first or second year like a, a brock besser mm-hmm. for example who really needs to turn things around this season already has with two goals in three games uh, yeah and i've got other questions with this lineup like um is JT Miller as good as he played last year is Tanner Pearson as good as he played last year and can a couple players turn things around like Jay Beagle and uh Brand Suter those are my questions right away yeah I've got more question marks too you know what do you have in Jake for Tannen I think this is something that the the Vancouver Canucks don't know another question mark is what do you have in Braden Holtby is he 2017 Braden Holtby or 2020 Braden Holtby because like let's be honest they took a big gamble bringing him in to to be the starter in a tandem with Thatcher Demko two goalies who you know Demko looks fantastic by the way he did last season but very unproven and then Braden Holtby has been declining for the last two seasons straight and even the year they won the cup, like he didn't start game one of the playoffs. So that's that's something, a, a little bit of concern there. So yeah. those are my question marks. Um, and well, you know what? I, I really like their top six, though. I will say that. I think we all do. Brock Besser needs to step up. Look for JT Miller to have sort of uh, not as good of a season. I think he overperformed last season and uh and got some some lucky shooting in but uh yeah like this team is good but like we mentioned uh, about winnipeg too i I think they've just got too many holes too many question marks to to have them as a playoff team here yeah yeah for sure yep and and you know looking at some positives with this group uh no question marks whatsoever with elias petterson uh quinn hughes and uh bo horvat as well i mean those are the big three that are going to uh lead vancouver to success in the future but yeah uh you mentioned jake for and 18 goals last year a breakout year for him but jim benning and travis green are still expecting more from Vertanen, and this year is going to be a big year for him another guy i'm looking at is Adam Gaudet as well very skilled but now has an increased role in the lineup and we need to see more from him uh with the forward group especially just too many holes I think you can't have a guy like Tyler Mott as your third line left winger um you know he's more of a fourth line player or an extra uh, with the Canucks, so I just, yeah, there's some holes with the forward group. Another positive, though, Niels Hoglander looks fantastic yeah. so far for Vancouver. 
But, you know, can he keep that up? Um, Brock Besser looks great early on, but can he stay healthy and uh, shoot the lights out like he did in his first year in the league? So, yeah, a lot of question marks with this team. They're still very good, very young, and they have a bright future, but uh, definitely a step back for Vancouver, and we've got them at number six. Yeah, for sure. Um, bright future is is definitely a point we want to hammer home. Um, quick talk about their their decor. You know, Alex Edler is on the wrong side of thirty. Uh, Nate Schmidt and Quinn Hughes, fantastic. Yeah. Travis Hamannick. I've always had a lot of questions about him. I think that um, he's neither here nor there <laughs> for me. Uh, in that article that I read with TJ Brody, he was the first pairing that absolutely collapsed. Uh, with those two together and Tyler Myers he's he can be a liability out there for me personally and uh, all of you you levy he he hasn't proven himself yet so we'll see about that Chad your points about goaltending um we've seen three games so far and if you want to take those three games as as you know scripture while Braden Holtby's bad and uh Thatcher Demko is not playing as well as he did last year (laughs) yeah they they both got lit up in their first couple of games so um I I honestly hope they can turn around like I mentioned at the top of this episode these are I love Vancouver I'm you know probably my in my top five for sure in this league and and I like Ottawa so it's tough for me ranking these guys pretty low yeah um they do have some game uh, changers and, and they can steal some games with Pedersen and, and Bo Horvat and Besser and Quinn Hughes. So you never yep. know. Um, but yeah, personally, I have them at number six and it seems like we're at a consensus. Yeah. So taking a step back before they take that inevitable step forward, that's why we've got them at number six. Moving on to number seven, while we wrap up this episode, we've got the Ottawa Senators. Um, dude, the pesky Sens. Harp, why don't you, do you talk about them? You're pretty high on the pesky Sens, aren't you? Yeah, no, I mean, we saw it in that first game, their uh, their home opener against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and guys like Nick Paul, uh, Case, I know you're really big on him, uh, that, that's a guy that you root for, Austin Was- uh, Austin Watson, excuse me, uh, Eric Goodbranson, uh, Josh Brown, those two trees on the back end, like, just these guys that um, really needed a chance, and uh, they're working their butts off, and, and the whole team, you know, like, Brady Kachuk, He's, uh, what did he have, 300 hits and 300 shots? Like, one of the only players to, to do that in the season. He would have been the so, only player if he did it, but the season was ended. Right, he was on right. pace for he was, it. He was, on, he was on pace for that, that's right. But, uh, yeah, like, they and Tierney and all these guys that just, they, they work really hard. And um, you know what? They've they've got nothing to lose. Like they know how tough this division is uh, with the with the teams, especially in that top four. Like we've already discussed in this episode, and so they're they've got nothing to lose. They're playing for pride, and they're just going to kind of see what happens. But uh, you know, this is a huge step forward in this sort of fast tracked rebuild for the Ottawa Senators. I think with the additions they've made in the off season, they've done a great job. What a goal! Uh, by Tim Stutzla the other night. That was fantastic, by the way, also. Um, so, yeah, really bright future ahead. They're going to be a pain in the butt to play against. And, um, yeah, no, I, I like the Ottawa Senators, but it's just too tough to to put them higher than seventh in this Canadian division. One point I wanted to make uh, or, or make is, um, you know, obviously our, our good friend Ian Mendez is now with The Athletic uh, covering the Ottawa Senators. And a very good article from him just talking about 
Colin White and Logan Brown. And the title of this article is um, uh, Colin White and Logan Brown, a part of the senator's future now lineup limbo. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, White has a uh, has five years left on that big deal. I think he's making four, seven, five a year on that contract. And um he was a healthy scratch first game. It's uh, it's Josh Norris as the uh, as the number one center as opposed to Colin White and uh, and Logan Brown. I mean, when when is this guy going to come in and actually prove himself? He was Pierre Dorian's first draft pick uh, as general manager of this team, and he's back in Belleville. So some question marks when it comes to the the young players on this team, but they've got a boatload of them. It's going to take some more time. I think Matt Murray has played pretty well so far, and uh, yeah, they're going to be a pain in the butt to play against. You've said mostly everything there is to be said about this team, Harp. A lot of good points there, and a couple that I want to add a little extra on to. Um, first of all, Logan Brown. I think that what we've seen with him is is maybe the IQ is there, the shots there, and the you know nose for the net maybe. But one thing that he needed to improve on was his skating ability. He did not skate like an NHL player. And another guy in this lineup that was told the exact same thing is Nick Paul. And he did exactly that. He got oh, yeah. so much faster and it's worked out for him. And that's why he's made this team. And then let's talk about the scratches you mentioned. You're talking about Colin White, Logan Brown. And don't forget about Alex Galchenyuk, who has been oh. scratched as well for these first couple of games. Yes. That's just such a statement by this team talking, you know, showing who they can scratch. And if you're not working hard, uh, you're not going to play. And that creates such internal competition that I think is always good for an NHL team. Um, So moving on from that, another point you made, Harp, is just kind of all these other guys who are looking for another chance. And I see a Vegas Golden Knights-esque team here because I'm not saying they're going to do nearly as well, but... Clip it. Put it on Instagram. Clip it. (laughs) (laughs) For a lack of a better term, kind of broken and damaged goods here the island of misfit toys you look at some of these guys who have just it didn't work out in their former teams and now it's starting to turn things around for them talk about connor brown his move from toronto to ottawa worked out very well for him chris tierney uh austin watson nikita zaitsev mike riley eric goodbranson josh brown matt murray all of these guys, it just didn't work out at their old teams. And now they're going to get a serious look on a different team, a lot of ice time and a second chance and a change of scenery. And I think a lot of those guys, they're looking to prove themselves as NHL players. And uh, and really, like you said, no expectations for this team. Yeah, No one's expecting them to make the playoffs. No one's expecting them to win the cup at all. But I think that... <laughs> They're gonna love playing spoiler against the teams they hate the most in this in this league, That's and they're all in yeah. the division. Um, the last point I want to make about this team is that it's tough to judge them and, and tough to say where they're gonna be because there is nine players making their Senators debut on the um, on their opening night there, and th- these are things that I picked up listening to Sportsnet. Um, a couple other things are that you know the Eric. Carlson trade is starting to pay dividends with Nick Paul being the last player there and Tim Stutzla coming as a pick. Josh Norris was a player in that trade as well. Yep. So that's starting to work out for them. And uh, um, another thing is that the three defensemen that they picked up were all six foot five and over <laughs> 215 pounds. Yeah. They yep. got big on the back end. I think uh, they're 
their smallest player back there will be Eric uh, Eric Brandstrom. And other than that, everyone's six foot taller uh, or taller. It's crazy. Uh, really, really yeah. big back there. And, you know, a couple uh, Stanley Cup winners, Braden Coburg and Cedric Paquette joining this team and some veteran leadership and Derek Stepan. I think there's a lot of good changes here for the Ottawa Senators, and it's a step in the right direction for sure. But... Still going to put them at seven. Yeah, yeah me too. It's uh, really hard to put them any higher than that. But I, I think, like, with the way this team looks right now, sorry, Chad, I know you want to jump in, but I think I think they, they have speeded things up. Uh, DJ Smith has done a great job behind the bench. Pierre Dorian has made some nice moves, like we've talked about, Case. I look for next season, the 2021-22 season, to really be a next step kind of season for this team. But, yeah, too hard to put them other than at seventh in this division chad wrapping up on the ottawa senators go ahead yeah just some final thoughts like i i think you guys have expressed most of what i wanted to say here but just some final thoughts on ottawa here i think they'll be super fun to watch man they've proven that in their back-to-backs against the leafs stealing two points out of the possible four so there's that um man a pesky team looking to play spoiler with every game being worth four points in the standings if you if you think about it every game is interdivisional and uh they hate these teams and they're going to be playing spoiler all season long a team that could honestly surprise a lot of people because case i i really like the comparison even though i made the joke but uh, uh to the vegas golden knights a bunch of guys who just they didn't fit on their respective teams and now they're all put together in this you know this young fun team uh who has a a mix of yes a lot of good young talent but yes some older guys who have won cups and have played in the league for a while so i think they've got a good fun mix and uh the fun starts with number 18 on the ice tim stutzla scoring his first goal the other night and uh if you didn't see it on our instagram page I'll, i'll just share it now he becomes the third youngest player to ever score for the Ottawa Senators. He just turned 19 uh, the day before he scored his first NHL goal. So there's that. Only two other players were younger to have scored their, their first goal for the for the Ottawa Senators. And so that's just something incredible. Um, one of them being the late Pavel Dimitra, actually. So I wanted to, to bring that up. He was involved in that, uh, that plane crash of the KHL team in, I believe, it was 2006. So that was a, a funky, a, a weird stat that came up the other night when I was watching the uh, the broadcast. But anyway... Fair enough to to share that. Um, moving on, I, I just have a, a point about Matt Murray. I think he's due for a big bounce back season, and he has looked great in his first couple of games in uh, in those new sick black jerseys. Those are unreal, oh, by the way. Love those. Oh my god, he has yeah. looked sick. And I will say though, like although I think he's due for a bounce back year, and I'm sure his advanced numbers will look really good in terms of his high date high danger save percentage and things like that but i think it's going to be tough for him to put up good traditional numbers such as like goals against average and save percentage just on this team so if matt murray at the end of the season doesn't have a great save percentage or doesn't have a good goals against average like do a little bit of digging give this guy a break i think he's he's bound to have a great bounce back season and uh, yeah, my, my final point here is just, you know, and I'm talking to Sens fans only. So if you're a Sens fan, listen very closely. This is a team full of futures, which I think is okay right now. They're not expected to do much. So I'll say embrace the pain, Sens fans. 
As as a Leaf fan, I've been there. The Battle of Ontario is good, but it's only going to get better for the next few years to come here as this team gets better. So it gets better from here. So uh, I'll I'll say that as a Leafs fan talking to a Sens fan. Yeah. Two things I want to talk about quickly. Matt Murray, uh, they brought up a good point about him against the Toronto Maple Leafs this season is that he's got a bone to pick with Kyle Dubas where he played for the Sioux Greyhounds and Kyle Dubas made the trade for Jack Campbell to come in and take his number one goalie position. And I guess Matt Murray's had a little grudge for that ever since. So oh. he's got he's got an extra reason to beat the Leafs this year. So Absolutely. he'll be standing on his head. And uh, my last thing I want to say about the Sens is that uh, knowing a lot of Sens fans and my whole family being Sens fans, uh, I know that they like a psychopath to cheer for. Like they always had Chris Neal for the longest time. And then they had Mark Borvietsky. Well, don't worry, Sens fans. Austin Watson's here, and he's here to stay, and he's your psychopath. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. I, I yeah. have one no final kidding. question that I wanted to pose to you guys. Oh, just, the episode of final question. I know, I know, I know. Just, just before we wrap up here, and this was actually a question that was posed on the broadcast for the second game between uh, the Leafs and the Sens, but in five years' time, who would you rather have on your team, Brady or Matthew Kachuk? Because I, I couldn't give an answer. That's why I wanted to bring it up because I didn't know. I thought it was a good question. That, that's, that's tough. I would have to say Matthew just with the point production that he's <clears throat> already showed. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to be the next captain of the Calgary Flames after Giordano, after Giordano moves on. So I, I, I would go with Matthew Kachuk. Uh, I'm going to say I mean, Brady Kachuk. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. I, I like the way he plays the game. He plays it tough um, and, and hard-nosed, and we've seen the hits. He goes all out at all time. He's a character. Um, and and frankly, I think that he'd have the same point production if he was playing on the Calgary Flames, maybe even better, I'm going to say. It. Um, I think it's gonna, it's been circumstance so far that puts Matthew Kachuk being better than Brady, but I think that uh, down the road, Brady's going to be better, and I think that... Um, He's the guy I'd want on my team. Okay. It's uh it's a tough question. It's gonna be close. Great hockey players. Big Walt uh raised some <laughs> some good ones there, so that's for sure. All right, just to recap, uh the seven teams in the Canadian division, that uh that North Division, how we've ranked them. We've got Toronto at one, Calgary at two, Montreal at three after some discussion, uh Edmonton at four, Winnipeg at five, Vancouver at six, and of course the Ottawa Senators with the bright future at number seven. And that's a wrap on all four. Four divisions for this 2020-21 shortened NHL season. Hockey's back, baby, and it has been fantastic so far. So thank you for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Take care and stay safe. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.